Today's scripture reading is from Matthew 25, 14 through 30. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey, who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. But he who had received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to them, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, one, the one who had received the two talents, came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid, and went away, and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him, And give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even when he does have, shall be even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Tonight, we're learning that Jesus is the master of generosity. This is the time of year when typically companies reward their employees with raises or bonuses. And it's a, depending on the financial health of the the company, it's not uncommon for those raises to be reflective of their appreciation for the job you have done for that year. The performance of the employee generally determines how great of a raise they will receive. It's the company's way of showing you how much you're worth to them, how much they appreciate you for the work that you have been doing for them, and how valuable you are to the profitability of your company. But oftentimes, we use these systems to grade ourselves in other ways. For example, we feel better about ourselves when we get that raise or bonus, right? 
I know I do when I get a raise. It makes me feel better because who doesn't want more money? It makes me feel better also about myself when I complete a task with excellence and other people notice it and I receive praise for that. It makes us feel better typically when others recognize the value that we contributed to the project or to the company or to the church. Wow, you did a great job. It makes us feel good about what we have done. Oftentimes we feel validated by works-based evaluations. We feel better about ourselves based on what we did. That's not a bad thing when it, goes to, when it comes to our work. But if we're not careful, we can transfer those systems that are a part of our work or a part of our culture, and we can develop false beliefs about God and our relationship with Him. It's easy for us to read the parable that Blake just read for us and think that there's a list of things that we need to do in order to please the Master. And that there is a criteria for what we better not do unless we want to be punished by the Master. This is called the parable of the talents. The word talents there is equivalent to 15 years of a year's salary. 15 years of a salary. So if you make 100000 a year, first of all, congratulations. Second of all, 15 times that would be easy math for us. That's $1.5 million if that were your annual salary. The parable of talents. There were three slaves who were entrusted with the master's money. He was leaving on a journey, and he gave them authority over it. Two of them doubled that inheritance or that money that he had given to them, and they were told these words, Well done, good and faithful servant. They were said this by the master. The third one, though, didn't do the same thing. He buried his money and just gives back the master what the master had given to him. And then the master does something that shocks many people when we read this. Instead of saying, oh, thanks for keeping it safe for me, he says, you wicked and lazy slave. He calls him worthless, and he orders him to be thrown out into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what is Jesus teaching here? Is he saying that we better double what he gives to us or there's going to be hell to pay for it? Is he saying that God is so harsh and people must do his work for him while he simply just sits back and collects things? If we're not careful, we can read this and we can think that God appears to be sort of a pimp toward his people where the slaves go out and do all the work and he sits back and collects doing nothing. What is the point of this parable? We have a money series that we're starting for the, book of, or the month of February. We're teaching on money for this month. Up until Wednesday, I thought this parable was about stewardship, and it's not. I text Larry Wednesday morning, and I said, that awkward moment when you realize the text was about something that you didn't know it was about. I thought this was about stewardship, but it's not. And it led me on a really cool journey of discovering a new and deeper understanding of how great God's grace is toward us. And I want to take you on that journey with me. 
Jesus is the master of generosity. This point, this point of this story is not to show the harshness of Jesus, but it is very much to indict the people who have rejected Jesus as the Messiah. And I want to share with you three things that God wants us to learn from this parable tonight. The first one is this. God entrusts people with his kingdom. That's number one if you want to take notes. We'll have three of them. God entrusts people with his kingdom. So this parable is told by Jesus, and it is exposing that the Lord entrusted Israel with wonderful promises, stating that he was going to bless the nation of Israel in amazing ways. But the promises also included that he was going to bless the entire world through this nation. Not just the nation itself, but bless the entire world through them. What they were given, the talents that Israel was given, were these two things that were for sure. Number one, they were given the law of Moses. They were entrusted with this law of Moses. The second thing they were given was the temple. And the temple was the sign that God's presence was with them. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, we kick off this parable with this. Jesus says, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. So Jesus is indicting Israel. He is charging them with the crime of rejecting him. And he's calling them to account. Instead of sharing the promises of God with the world, what Israel did was buried them, and they kept them for themselves. They rejected the Lord Jesus and became enemies of God to be thrown out of the kingdom. A lot of people look at this and they see it as an, an apocalyptic parable that one day we better be good servants of God or otherwise he's going to come back and hold us to account. But the parable Jesus was speaking to them was speaking directly to them. Now we definitely will draw some truths from this that apply to us today, but it's very easy to misread the Bible. And this is one of those where often it is misread. Sometimes we read other people's mail and we think it's for us. But this was directly applied to Israel because Jesus is the master who was coming back. And he was calling them to account for their actions. He was threatening two things with them, that throwing them out into the darkness. He was going to destroy Jerusalem, and he also said he was going to destroy the temple. And the reason this was going to happen is because they were rejecting him. The master in this story is not harsh either. He's actually quite generous, and he represents God. It's the third slave who is lazy and selfish that represents Israel. So God, through Jesus the Son, is exercising judgment on them. So if that's the Israel, if Israel is the third slave who is hoarding God's promises, who are the two obedient slaves? Who are those people represented? Those are the people who hear the call of Jesus, and they develop what Israel was already given, and they see it turn into something new through them. So they're the ones who are trusting the Lord, and they go out with the message that God has begun his kingdom, and it is spreading. They're like another parable that's very short in this same gospel, the parable of the mustard seed, and I'll read that for us. In chapter 13, 31, it says, He presented another parable to them, 
saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all other seeds, but when it is full grown, it is larger than any garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. So the two faithful slaves were the ones who had taken and received the word of God. They were faithful with it. And through them, God was expanding the kingdom. They were the ones who were in Jerusalem that were loyal to Jesus. They were the ones, when Jesus opposed the status quo, they were the ones who remained faithful to Jesus. So what about us today? If that's what it meant then, how does it apply to us today? We too today are entrusted by God. He gives us things. One of the things he gives to us is money. He entrusts us by providing for us. He entrusts us with family. He entrusts us with friends. For most of us, he entrusts us with work. And he entrusts us with talents or gifts. Our word that we use today for talent it describes more of a, a gifting or I'm good at this, this is a talent that I have. That word comes from this word here for good reason. God entrusts us all with the good news that Jesus has come to forgive. And we, like every person in the world, we have a choice to make. God entrusts us with his kingdom. And the choice we make is whether or not we're going to trust God, which leads us to number two tonight. God wants us to trust him. God entrusts people with his kingdom, and he wants us to trust him. These slaves in the story represent two choices that we all must make. The, the first two trusted the master, and they took what, they gave him, what he gave them, and he, they used it the best they could. The third one thought the master was cruel and decided to do what was best for himself. He protected his own. He did not trust the master, and he just made sure that he covered his own bases. I'm going to take care of me. And so when we live a life of protecting our own, we're living a life of building our own kingdom, which means that we are not trusting in God, but instead we are trusting in ourself or something else. If we're trusting in money, then we're going to be self-focused and worried about me first. Connect group this week, we were talking about salvation and how it's easy for us to, to be coerced, so to speak, into making a decision for Christ. Because if you're given the choice of, do you want to go to heaven when you die, or do you want to go to hell when you die? I know few people who would choose hell. Most people would choose heaven. And so if we tell someone, if you want to go to heaven when you die, then pray this prayer and become a Christian. However, that line of thinking, that progression leads us to make a self-centered, selfish decision. Because I'm not really appreciating and receiving what God has given me by grace. I'm just trying not to go to hell. And so the motive behind the way we relate to money, the motive behind we relate to talents and other people, the motive behind why we're nice to people, it can, it can really expose us as a fraud. That we really don't love others. We really don't 
know Christ. It looks like a godly decision, but ultimately we're really selfish people who have put this facade of holiness over us like a robe. And God said it's not good enough. It's this kind of person motivated by selfish desires. I'm doing this for me. This person fits the description of that third slave in this parable too. We're looking out for myself, ourselves. I'm going to take it, and I'm going to dig it over here, and I'm going to leave it there, and when the master comes back, I'm going to pick it up, and I'm going to take it back to him. And it sounds pretty good because I'm not going to lose what's his and I'll be okay. But in this story, it's not okay. In fact, it's exposed as evil and worthy of condemnation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, if this is an indictment of Israel in Israel uh, at, at the parable of talents, then we may think that, okay, so if I'm a Christian, a true Christian, truly trusting in Christ, then I don't have anything to worry about later on. I won't be judged for anything. So we don't go as far as to say that wrongly. There is a judgment that comes. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 and 10, it says, Therefore we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, our ambition to be pleasing to Him, the Lord. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Be encouraged. Do you feel good? You're about to. Our choices matter. Our actions have consequences for our lives, that's for sure. But our actions also reflect what has already happened in our heart. Too many times we think, okay, my actions are going to lead me to salvation. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is salvation now leads me to brand new actions. That's a big difference. You see, angry outbursts They reflect a heart that lacks mercy and grace. Jealousy reflects a heart that is dissatisfied with God. Greed reveals a heart that is filled with idolatry. See, our actions reveal what we're trusting in. The good news is the fruit of the Spirit reveals that the Spirit is living within us. So love reveals a heart filled with the love of God. And patience reflects a heart that knows the grace and knows the kindness of the Lord. And peace shows a heart that trusts God no matter what circumstances may be. God is a generous master, and He wants us to trust Him. He entrusts people with His kingdom. He wants us to trust Him. And we're going to make the third point this right here. And it's revolutionary. You've never heard this before. Okay? It's, so, it's original to me. You ready? Number three. Jesus loves me. I'm thinking about writing a song about it. 
think it would be a big hit. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I thought of this point, and I laughed like you did. And I thought, this is the way we have to end this sermon. Because if you don't understand this, why would you ever trust God? Why would you ever trust him if he were not the master of generosity, if he were not the master of love? Why would you ever trust the master of the parable that we just read? He sounded harsh, right? I mean, so what? The guy made a mistake. You're going to condemn him forever? Where's the grace in that? We have to be very careful with parables. You do not, in one parable, get a complete picture of who God is. There's usually one point that happens in a parable, and he's teaching something very specific. And the point there was very clear, but it's not complete. Jesus is a generous master. We don't get a complete picture of God, even from one section of Scripture. He's gloriously complex. God is the maker of the world. He is the lover of the world. He loves the world. He is justice. God is mercy. He is a hater of lies and a lover of truth. He abhors evil. And he is the author and creator of love. He is the one who sent his son to be broken so that you and I could be healed. This parable that Jesus is teaching is taught right before the apex of Jesus' story, the crescendo. Jesus was on his way to give his life as a ransom for many. So when Jesus was telling this parable, he was on his way to become the one who would be thrown out into the darkness where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth, where there was agony, where there was abandonment by his father. He was thrown into the fury of hell so that you and I would be rescued from the path of sin that leads to our destruction in hell forever. You see, we are that third slave. We've made our mistakes. We've hoarded God's goodness. We've failed Him in some way. We've been unfaithful with the talents the Lord has given to us. We've squandered opportunities to be faithful with our time. We've missed opportunities to use the giftings that He has for us. And yes, we have squandered money on things that we didn't need because we wanted it. We're all guilty of being like that third slave and keeping things for ourselves in hopes that it will work out for our own sake. And we have missed the good news of Jesus. And the good news is this. You have not been thrown out into the darkness. Instead, Jesus has looked upon you with grace and love. And instead, He has taken our place because He is the master of generosity. Because of what He has done, we can now become like those first two slaves. We can realize that our master is not a cruel master. So we won't fall for the lies of the world and think he's a cruel master. We know he's good. And we will trust in Jesus instead of trusting in things like money and putting our hopes in it or having our hopes squandered by the lack of it. We will find true peace and true contentment through Jesus no matter what happens. The gospel shows us also that Jesus does not reap where he does not sow. 
and he does not harvest where he does not scatter seed. But the gospel gives us a more complete picture and shows us a Savior who actually initiates a good work in our heart by grace. And it's out of his mercy and him reaching out to us that we have been relieved from the penalty of our sin. When we accurately see Jesus as the master of generosity, you and I will be freed from trying to find our value, from trying to find our safety, from trying to find our worth in anything other than Him. We won't cling tightly to our status at our job. We won't cling tightly to our checkbook. We won't worship money and one day realize that it abandoned us and see how cruel of a master it can be. There's a scripture that sums up what we have in Jesus compared to what money in the world could offer us. It's in Hebrews 13, chapter, five and, or chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. It says, Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, this is what God said in the Old Testament and now says to you, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. And because of what he says to us, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Money may leave you. It's a cruel master. You may be blessed by money, but if money is your master, even if you have it, it will be cruel to you. But the Lord will never leave you. He will never desert you. He is your helper, and He will take away all of your fear by His mere presence. Keep your heart free from the love of money by keeping your heart full of the love for Jesus. He is the master of generosity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we prepare to receive communion today, as we prepare to enter your presence, God, I pray that you would cause us to to reflect deeply on what we are trusting in our hearts, where we find our joy, where we find our sense of worth, There is nothing more precious than knowing the truth that we are loved by the Son of God. We are cherished by Him. Father, there are many masters that try to demand our allegiance in in this life that we have. Tonight, I pray that you would free us from all masters other than Jesus, that we would find our faith strong in you, that we would find our our joy in you. We would come to you in times of heartache and in times of celebration. May you truly be our master, and may we find our soul's contentment in you. Thank you for entrusting us in Jesus. We praise you and thank you for loving us enough to give us life through your death and your resurrection. 
for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.